from Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 24. Put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. This week we continue with God's instructions to us about how we are to put on this new man, this new woman, as a garment over us. Because we have become a new man, a new woman, since we have received Christ as our Savior. And we've been changed from within. These words that I have given to us so often from Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning in verse 25, the Lord tells us, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Now here in the Lord cleansing us from all of our sins and and putting a new heart and a new spirit within us, He has prepared us to be able to do all that He has planned for us in this Christianity that we have now taken on ourselves. And as we've read in these words, in putting His Spirit back into us, you'll recall that there in the garden, that is what took place. God removed His Spirit from man, from Adam and Eve. Now in Christ, He puts His Spirit back into us and He has fully restored us to that blessed condition that we were created to enjoy. And now here in Christ, we are a whole new creature. And you and I have to believe that. It's so very important that we believe what God has given to us. The scriptures tell us that we are a new creature and all the old has passed away. And everything within us has become new. And so then with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit abiding with us moment by moment, abiding inside our own spirit, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. Those words that I read to us as we began this service. His divine nature has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Folks, now that we have this provision within us, his cleansing, his heart, uh, that he has put within us, a a new spirit, his Holy Spirit uh, abiding within us, and then all of these precious promises spoken about here, we're left without excuse. We are left without excuse, and we're told that in several places 
in the scriptures. We truly do have everything that we need for life and godliness. And the only thing remaining for you and me to do is simply to get on about it. And I want to keep saying that to us, that we are now believers in Christ. We are now new creatures, and we need to get on about being this new man, this new woman. And we must. Folks, we must. And we must do it immediately. Because as we learned from Jesus' words describing the man who had been cleansed from his sins and the demons were taken out of him, if we do nothing further, if we do nothing immediately, those old demons, Jesus said, will gladly return and fill that empty void that was left within us. If we permit them to return, we're worse than we ever were before. And that's our instructions here in these words, our unction from the Holy Spirit to begin being and doing the things of our new nature and to keep on being and doing them until our old nature, our old habits, our old conduct and behavior has changed into that nature and righteousness of Christ. I'd like for you to turn back with me to the words that we read a moment ago beginning there in verse 26. Now, two weeks ago, we began this study of putting on this new man. And we saw in verse 26 where God was telling us that we must immediately put away our predisposition, this bent within our personality towards lying. If we do not, let me say again, if we do not immediately put it away, those same old demons will come back in. You and I, are constantly under that threat. And so we have to immediately, and the the word diligent bespeaks that. We talked about it in Sunday school. You and I have to be diligent to begin right away putting off these old sinful ways and putting on the new. The word diligent has within it both a continuous effort And it has to always be immediate. Immediate now, immediate in a moment, and it keeps on having immediacy to it. You and I are to diligently get about putting away these old predispositions, such as this one here towards lying. And we also said at that time, two weeks ago, that God ranks our telling of lies right at the top of the most loathsome of sins that we can involve ourselves in. And we saw there in Revelation 21 the eventual end of those who continue with their lying. He said there, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We cannot mistake this. God ranks lying right in with most of the the worst of the worst of sins that we can involve ourselves in. And here he says, you're also going to receive the worst of the worst punishments if you refuse to put off this sin of lying. 
Now, in the message last week from verses 26 and 27, we saw that God is warning us here to turn from the sin of anger. The sin of anger, that there's a predisposition within each of us, some more than others, but within each of us, a predisposition that keeps anger, some form of anger, at the forefront of our responses to life. I mentioned that I spoke with this friend yesterday about his difficulties that he was encountering. And he has deep-seated anger, bitterness, wrath that governs all that he thinks and says and does. Now, regardless of what kind of anger you have within you, whether it be like has been with myself, I have experienced that seething, inward kind of brawling kind of anger. Others burst out in a rage with anger. The Lord wants us to know that whatever kind it is, it is wrong. And we must put it off. We must put it away from us because we are now a new creature and it has no part in us. Verse 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Remember I mentioned a moment ago, we have to give place to the devil or else he can't have effects on us. Yes, he can have some, but not really so. For him to reach back in and become a part of our life, we have to give place to him. And so we're being warned here not to do that. And again here, we saw in verse 27 that he is waiting eagerly you and I have to understand that he roams to and fro throughout this earth seeking whom he may devour, looking for ways to enter back in and so we're not to give place to him. We have to guard those weakest moments that we have. Now here today we find another of these old ways, these old habits that God tells us that we're to put off. Read with me in verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Now this is one of the most dramatic reversals, both in value systems and in behavior. To go from a thief to a provider, to go from a taker to a giver, that is the kind of change that can only take place in a whole new creature, a whole new person. Now I have to say that when I talk about stealing to people, I know that for the most part, most seem to want to add conditions. Well, what about if this or that? And what they're saying is that thievery can, under some circumstances or conditions, be thought to be reasonably necessary, perhaps to feed our family, some other circumstances like that. And we want to agree with that. But let me assure you, stealing is never really right and never approved of by God. And just the act of stealing 
is a distrust of God and who he is. And so while we might identify with someone who might steal to feed their family, they chose a way that God would rather they had not chosen. They denied him and they depended upon their own wits and their own abilities. Stealing is never right and it is never approved of by God. Folks, listen. God is our faithful provider. He's not out yonder somewhere at a distance, not knowing what our circumstances are. He is really right here. He is right within us. He is among us. He is around us. And he knows everything that's taking place at this very moment and at every moment. He is our ever-present, loving Father. And he knows our every circumstance and our every need. And he has in his hands everything that we could possibly need. Whether it be food, clothing, or money, or health care, or anything else. But then again, in those times of difficulty, we find ourselves like the Apostle Peter when he walked out onto the water to meet Jesus. He looked around. He made the mistake of looking around and he saw the winds and the waves and he panicked. Or the whole boatload of disciples when this storm came up and Jesus was sleeping. They distrusted him or they didn't understand at least that he already had this circumstance in hand. And they panicked. Thankfully, though, they did go to the right person. They called him. And he saved them out of their misery. But that's not what we usually do. Not first. We usually so often make wrong choices first. Wrong behaviors. Wrong answers to our dilemmas. Unfortunately, this sin here of stealing becomes one of our immediate available options. We shoplift. We uh, steal from an unattended purse, perhaps in a carriage. We write a check from an empty bank account. There are a lot of ways that we can steal. And unfortunately, with this telling of lies, Satan and his demons are always right there also. And I have no doubt that he is so available to provide us all of those wrong answers and wrong choices into our thoughts. And let me assure you, Satan can put thoughts into your mind. You saw it with the Apostle Peter there as he stood before Jesus. You see it with Job's wife as she told Job to curse God and die. Those were the words of Satan. So yes, he can put ideas and thoughts into our minds and he can cause an anxious person to make wrong decisions, dishonest decisions, such as this, to steal. And let me assure you, most often you are really hurting someone else when you steal from them. So often we think, well, they have insurance, or they this, or they that. No. No. 
you hurt other people. And so we take these options that we should not take. We, we apply answers to our dilemmas that we should not be applying. Let me share with you a circumstance in my own life that I'm so glad today that God gave me the right answers. I've shared this with you on another occasion, but I want to tell you again about this occasion. I was 21 years old. I was a single father. I had very, very little money. Very little money. But I did have a job. I was working in a bank, and it was going to be a good job if I would simply apply myself and work hard. But immediately upon beginning employment there, within two weeks, as I remember, I was tested in this matter of honesty. And whether it was by intentional design by the security officials of the bank or by some just ordinary happenstance, I found myself staring at a $20 bill in a place where it did not belong and it was fully available for me to steal. I stared at that $20 bill for a long time. I was not a Christian in those days, and so I cannot claim the blessings of God's presence within me as I can now. But knowing that God is involved in all the circumstances of life, I'm confident that he guided my response. My thoughts quickly were taken to the facts in front of me, and that was that if I ever hoped to be a successful banker, I was going to need to deal with temptations like this one because they would be before me daily and even much greater temptations than these. So I immediately got up and returned that $20 bill to where it was supposed to belong, and all went well. And I'm very thankful for that incident. It's indelible in my memory. And again, I'm confident now that I'm saved that it was God's hand that preserved my character. Not my own, but God's hand. Now, I recognize that my test, when compared to other testings in other people's lives, mine was a gentle one. My daughter and I had all the food we needed. We had a home, and I had a good job. So I wasn't as pressured as some might be in their circumstances because they can be very difficult when you do have children, when you have other people that you're responsible for. And so you end up making this choice to steal. Unfortunately, one time of stealing really does make the next time easier. It really does. And so then it'll lead to scheming and then scamming, perhaps, and all those other forms of thievery. And then it becomes a habit, a habit of the personality. We steal then because we are thieves. That's who we are. And often those forms of stealing that started out in a gentle way, they'll follow on and become sometimes very serious forms of behavior. 
Now for you all, as I look around you, uh, I know that probably most of you are not in a difficult circumstance, not one that would cause you to be tempted to steal. You're not being pushed, at least, by your circumstances to become a thief. But I want to warn all of us, myself included, that we can still find ourselves in these circumstances when we are looking at our options if we believe we have an option. And that's the first warning that we have to take. You and I have to make up our mind right now that stealing is not an option. If it is still an option in your heart in some form or another, let me assure you that Satan is right there to give you that little push and you'll fall right into his trap. The cashier at Walmart might hand you back an extra $10. What should you do with that $10? The waitress forgets to charge you for one of the foods that you ate. What should you do about that? What about that side income that you make but you didn't declare on your taxes? But it really was taxable income. Are you tempted to not declare that kind of income? What would you call that? Is that stealing? Let me assure you, it is. It is stealing if you don't tell that waitress you forgot to charge me for this. I was blessed recently when my dear son tried to talk to this cashier at a checkout line that uh, she had not charged enough on a particular item. Folks, stealing comes in many different forms. And you and I have to have the heart of Christ to know when we're stealing. You and I cannot live our lives as these scriptures say, as the Gentiles do, as if there is no God there who is watching over us. Because we have to understand that a lifestyle of stealing will surely end up with circumstances and penalties that are deserving of whatever we're doing wrong. I'd like and invite you to Read Psalm 37 when you have opportunity. That psalm talks about how when evil men succeed, what takes place? Maybe not today, but at some point in the future. Now let me say that there really is a God who loves us. And He really does want better things for you and me. And everyone in this room has declared that they are children of God by declaring that you've received Christ as your Savior. And so God really does love us as sons and daughters. And He really does want better things for us. And He is willing to provide all those better things if we're willing to trust Him and if we are willing to take the difficult steps that He has given to us, such as in this verse we have here. He says, if you are a thief, 
If you steal, steal no longer. Stop what you're doing. Rather, let him who labors labor with his hands what is good that he may have something to give to him who has need. I thought about, but what about those times when I have stolen things? What about those times when you have stolen things? Sometimes there's an opportunity to return, to pay back that which you've stolen. Other times the circumstances don't allow it. But God has given us a way here to kind of undo the stealing that we've done. You can never really undo it. But here's a way to make up for it in some way. It's a form of repentance. And we read these words here that we are first to cease to steal. And then, he says, get a job. Get a job and work and earn money and give to those who are in need. That's a form of repentance that uh, came to my mind that was similar to the laws in, in the book of the laws of God in the Old Testament. And that which Zacchaeus demonstrated when he said, I'll repay fourfold all that I have stolen from the people in tax money. There's one other benefit, by the way, in these words. He says, working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give to him who has need. By giving to someone who has need, think about this. You may be the answer to their needs and then they will not steal. You will have prevented them from stealing. What a blessing that would be. Now let me just say to you before we close, the real concern of God in this matter of stealing is that we are failing to believe that He really is God and that He really does love His children and that He really will meet every need that we will ever have and that further that we would stop distrusting Him in this matter and turning to stealing in some manner or another. He tells us in very plain words exactly what we're to do. Listen to this. These, are, these words are from Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap but gather, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But if God, listen, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But listen, but seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Dear friends, God cannot get any plainer or any easier to understand than these words. We are without excuse. He tells us clearly that if we will pursue after him and his kingdom and his righteousness, that he is trustworthy and he will provide for all of our needs. And these words that we have, and I'll close with them, tells us one of the first steps that he wants us to take as we pursue after him. Simple step. Let him who stole steal no longer. Rather, let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let's pray.